we've been uh, working together now in this uh, really kind of an evangelistic series, and uh, this is our, our last week of that series before Easter, and so kind of kind of coming to a close here. Um, I've sort of I've enjoyed this because we've been able to take these afternoon services and sort of look at a practical application to what was going on in the morning as we've uh, we've covered these different topics, and so. Um, the, the topic this afternoon is how to regain a heart for unbelievers, and so we, we'll be looking at that um, together. Um, this is again from um, that Larry Moyer's book, How to Book on Personal Evangelism, and so um, we'll, um, we'll kind of work through this together here. All right, um, as we get started, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for your word. Pray, Lord, that you would challenge us today, help us to have a heart for unbelievers. And, uh, Lord, we pray that you would guide and direct. Uh, Lord, uh, just help us to take truth and uh, even practical tips and uh, live them out to your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as we think about this this topic here, or or this idea, how to regain a heart for unbelievers... um, (laughs) Why would we need to do this? <laughs> Let's just start there. Why, why would we need to do this? Um, is, is, it, uh, is everybody already set? You've already got a heart for unbelievers. That's, that's what you wake up every morning just thinking about, okay, who am I going to share the gospel with today? Um, uh, is, is, that, is that what's going on? <laughs> okay, I see, see a couple of heads shaking no. And, uh Give you, give you an example, a testimony. This is a testimony somebody told to, um, to Larry Moyer. Um, the testimony was the following. When I came to Christ, I wanted to tell everybody about him. He was the one person I felt all my friends needed to know. And I even saw one or two of them come to Christ. Yet now I've been a Christian for 10 years. I just don't have the same excitement for sharing Christ. I hate to admit it, but I really don't care whether I talk to unbelievers or not. Uh, I, I think... Many people could say that same testimony, right? Could give that same testimony, um, and uh, he notes that this is something that that he he hears often. Now, the um, the uh, fact, you know, one, okay, I, I just don't have the desire to talk to unbelievers. <laughs> Step further, I, I I don't even care about their eternal destiny. I mean, a, a step further, I, I I don't even. I'm just numb to that. Right, uh, that that expression or that idea. Um, first of all, for somebody to say that, right, just to be able to vocalize that to somebody, um, that that's something that's that's worthy to be praised because uh, a lot of people feel that way, but they they just not willing. To, they're not even willing to say it, right? I mean, that that's at least a step in the right direction, okay? Uh, because because then it becomes okay. I, I have a problem in this area, and I need help, and I need to grow here, uh, versus, um, yeah, I, I don't care. I'm not concerned about it. I don't have a heart for unbelievers. And I don't care what happens to them, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, being willing to just vocalize it or say that um, is, a, is, is a good step, right, to, to recognize, okay, I have, a, I have a problem here. And um, it's far easier just to deny it. Just lie and say, "Hey, yeah, no, I don't have any problem here," <laughs> and just move on. Um, and, and so, 
what a, what a show of compassion to, to not just admit that, but then to go further and say, how can I regain a heart for unbelievers? How, how, how can I be helped in this area? And, um, and, and so just some practical ideas today uh, for that purpose. So uh, first is, is a simple idea, simple concept. Draw closer to Jesus Christ. Um, so when we, rec- when we look at having unconcern for unbelievers, uh, at least part of the root problem there is, is a spiritual growth issue, right? Part of, um, part, part of the reality is if, if we take our Bibles and look at Jesus Christ, you cannot go too many pages before you see his heart for those who do not know him. Right? And, and so if, if, if we consider spiritual growth, consider our desire to be more like Jesus Christ, um, part of that growing process is having his heart uh, toward the lost. And so um, Luke nineteen ten, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Um, we, we know that expression. And so how do you get closer to the Master's heart if, if you don't get closer to his mission, it, it just doesn't happen, right? How do you get closer to, to knowing his heart if you um, don't get closer to his mission? So uh, let's look at a passage, Matthew four nineteen, And he saith unto them, Jesus speaking here to the disciples, um, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And, and so how do we follow in the footsteps of Jesus if, if we're not concerned and captivated by his concern for, for the lost. And, um, you know, I, I think we would like to think of ourselves as growing Christians, right, as, as growing believers. And um, if you want to know, okay, what is my barometer for growth? Uh, how concerned am I for lost people? You know, um, I, I'm thankful for things like kids' clubs, right, where you memorize scripture. That, that is a good thing. Um, but can, can, can I just say something? Memorizing scripture alone is not really a particularly good barometer for spiritual growth in likeness. It's good in the sense, okay, I, I am memorizing things that are good, right? But it's not a very good barometer in terms of, okay, am I actually applying this and living it out? Uh, if, if you want a barometer for how do we apply it, how do we live it out, um, how concerned am I for lost people? That's a good barometer for, for living out the things. And, and so, we'll put it this way, right? What mattered to Jesus, the things that he was passionate about, do they matter to me? And uh, it, it's amazing. We... we we sometimes get so up in arms about things that Jesus said absolutely nothing about, right? Or very little about. And they become the hot-button issues. They become the topic of conversation. And, um, and we, get, we get so passionate about it. And uh, people get known for these things, right? You know, oh, be careful. Don't, don't talk to them about that, <laughs> right? Because you know what's going to come out, right? You know what they're going to, that that person is going to wouldn't it be so much better if, if the concerns that some, would come out of somebody's mouth were the same concerns that were regularly spoken out of Jesus' mouth? Right? That, that ought to be the barometer. 
in, in terms of, of um, the, the true measure of Christ's likeness. Okay, so here's, here's the question that comes up. Okay, if we're going to have a heart for the lost, what does that mean that I have to do? Does that mean that I have to um, witness to one lost person every single day? Is that, is that what I have to do um, in order to follow, follow Jesus? What, what do you think? Is that the standard? Okay, Ted said it might be a good place to start. Uh, any other any other thoughts on that? Okay. Uh, I know someone who who has done this. I mean, who who set a, a standard up in in their life, and uh, and they they had a season where they said, okay, I I'm not going to let my head hit the pillow at night before I go and witness to um, a lost person. And they're they're like uh, you know ten o'clock at night. They realize they hadn't witnessed anybody. And they're out like at a bus stop trying to find somebody to witness to because they, you know, that, uh, um, not not always wise necessarily um, <laughs> um, in terms of uh, 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 the the area or whatever. But but uh, boy, I mean, what a heart, what a heart, and what a, a desire, right? To to want to do those things. So uh, what. What should be our motivation? Should, should our motivation be, okay, I have, to, I have to do this every single day. I have to check this box. What, what, what should the motivation be? Okay. Okay, see, see people come to Christ. Um, be be concerned about uh, the relationships that you have with people, um, and not so much the regulation that sometimes we like to set up. Right? I have to the the rigidity of that. Um, look, uh, t- t- task lists can be good things, right? Uh, but they're not good masters. <laughs> All right, let, let's put it that way. All right? Task lists are good tools, but but they're not good masters. And so uh, we, we've got to we've got to remember that, and um, so um, one of the things that that's important though is if as we draw closer to Jesus, we get more become more Christ-like. Then what will rub off on us is his his desire and his concern for the lost. Right, that will happen as we become closer with Jesus. Um, Okay, so um, he he noted here um, that he's got a friend who's a a um, fisherman, right? And so he's got a friend out in California who's a fisherman, and so he he said, you know, if if regardless of what's going on, regardless of what the pressures are in his life or his friend's life, or if, if his friend is down at the moment because work is hard or whatever it is, he said, if I if I want to see him. Um, Come alive! All I gotta do is start talking about fishing, <laughs> and uh, you just see the excitement on his face. He starts kind of bursting out, and so he said he'll tell you about the, the latest tournament, the latest lure he's using, or you know whatever else. And um, he said it's not long, and I feel like I'm missing out on something pretty exciting, to, just because of the way that he's he's talking about it. And um, he 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 said uh, he said I have to work on controlling my interest whenever I'm around him. Lest he take me by the hand and bring me to a sporting goods store and I start buying stuff. <laughs> so that, that's what, you know, my, my reaction. He said, because fishing isn't just fun, it's serious business. Well, when we get close to Christ, right, then 
Jesus, the friend of sinners, his excitement for the lost, his really his whole time on earth revolving around lost people. Um, yeah. we, we, we read the verse this morning, remember? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. We, we get around Jesus and all of a sudden that, that has to rub off on us. That, that has to rub off on us. And the, the closer we get to him, uh, the, the, the more important and the reality that, that he died for sinners uh, ought to become in our life. So the question becomes, are we spending time daily getting to know Christ better? Right? Are we talking to him through prayer? Are we letting him talk to us through the word of God? Um, or the other side, are we like Martha, uh, Luke 10, so worried and troubled about many things um, that she neglected sitting down and talking to Jesus? Right? She, she neglected that. So a genuine and growing Christ uh, growing relationship with Jesus, right? A genuine growing relationship with Jesus, one that is leading us to be like Jesus, ought to be one in which we grow in our care and concern for non-Christians. In fact, one of the one of the things that is is so interesting and so essential is that as we grow as believers, we ought to desire to be intentional in the, and spend more time with unbelievers rather than less. Okay, so uh, next point, simple. Spend time with unbelievers. Spend time with unbelievers. Um, how do we do this? Any ideas? How do we spend time with unbelievers? Anya? Okay, he said we're being cautious how we do it. Okay. I don't know if that helps us spend more time or not, but I, I, I think it's a valid point. We'll get to that. Yeah? I think honestly finding a common ground, like say a sports, like say go to a baseball game or go to somewhere like Bush Gardens and just have random conversations with them. Okay. Uh, common ground, common interests, right? Uh, baseball. Amusement parks, whatever it is, having common interests. Okay, um, yeah, and I think you used the term common grounds. I, I, I think that's interesting as well. Good choice of words there. Um, all right, anything else? Any other ideas? Okay, hanging out where people are, grocery stores, parks, those sorts of things. Yeah. Okay, Ted said, getting outside my front door. And, uh, you know, for some of us, that's a little harder than others. Like, you know, some people, they like to be everywhere. Uh, you know, you, you look, go on Facebook and you see all these different places they're at all the time. And, uh, I mean, I look at their feeds and I'm just exhausted. <laughs> yeah, you know, just looking at it. I'm like, oh, that's exhausting. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, but people, different people are built differently, right? And that, that's a reality. And uh, for some of us, just... Getting out of the house and being involved in, in different things is hard. And then other people, they're going to be on, you know, every little activity or sports team or every local, you know, local thing that they can get involved with. And they umpire for the little league and they do, you know, they do all these other things. Yep, Jackie? And also, you know, when it comes to, like, 
share stuff that I think would actually provoke a conversation because, you know, it's more than just in your local area. There are people on Facebook you haven't met that may not even know the Lord, and mm -hmm. that's another good way of um, being actually a fisher of men. Sure, yeah. Uh, Jackie mentioned um, sometimes she'll share things on Facebook that provokes conversation and uh, starts interaction with people. Yeah, good. Okay, uh, any other thoughts on this? All right, so what we want to avoid is our Christian cocoons, right? Where uh, we are insulated by Christian people. We don't have interaction with uh, unbelievers. Christian cocoons are, are comfortable, right? They're, they're comfortable. Um, they're not particularly challenging. Um, I don't have to deal with things that I don't want to have to deal with. And um, they, they, you know, they feel very comfortable. Um, but they're not very Christ-like. Right? I mean, they, they, uh, we, we call it a Christian cocoon, but it's more like a, an unchristian cocoon. I mean, it really is. We, we say that, okay, and, and maybe we don't have to deal with some certain sins, right? We, we've replaced them with others, but uh, maybe we don't have to deal with certain sins. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I am, um, and the, this... Uh, you may you may think, are you sure you're an independent Baptist? Okay, but um, <laughs> but I would much rather I, w I would much rather um, folks be out engaging with unbelievers, and God forbid you fall, right? God forbid, but out engaging with unbelievers and you fall than being isolated from the world, stuck in a room where you have no impact, very little influence, and you just live in sin for the rest of your life, <laughs> right? Between the two, I would much rather see somebody out engaging with unbelievers, seeking to influence for Christ, and you fall and you ask forgiveness and you get up and you go again. To me, that looks a lot more like the disciples in the Bible than somebody who's hiding in a corner. I, I, biblically to me, that, that looks like, and uh, you can't say that around parents with teens. They get really mad at you. But, uh, but, but you, you understand what I'm saying, right? I mean, uh, I, I would much rather people be out engaging and dealing with, with the fact that, okay, you know, by God's grace, I, uh, help me, Lord, but I still have the flesh, and, and I, at times I will still sin, and forgive me and get up and move on. Rather than saying, okay, I'm going to have no impact for Christ. I'm going to hide myself in my house or away from people and just go to church and not talk to anybody. And, and then, you know, I'll be perfect. <laughs> but just the opposite is going on, right? I, I mean, it, um, you, you know, in, in, in terms of the range of... Uh, if you look at disciples historically and disciples who have made an impact for Christ... Right, you you got you got Peter out there in the midst of unbelievers denying Christ in front of him, and falling down flat on his face and getting up and going again, and uh, you know you, you think Peter stopped sticking his foot in his mouth after the resurrection? No. Anybody have an example? Can you think of something? Ted. Yeah, 
I opposed Peter to his face, (laughs) right? But, But guess what Peter was doing? He was out sharing the gospel and declaring the gospel and and trying to win people to Christ. And he still was saying stupid stuff along the way, right? But praise the Lord, he was out there doing something, right? I mean, imagine where the early church would be or even the church in Jerusalem if Peter was not in that process. You know, imagine if he wasn't doing that. Uh, Boy, what, what, what different state would we be in today? All right, so, uh, all right, so with, with that, um, um, the, the question becomes, okay, what is it that we need to do? And Anya was mentioning this. Where does the caution come in? Right? Where does the caution come in? Um, any, any thoughts on that? Okay. You can just, you, you know, you just be stay sober because uh, you have to be sober minded in order to reach people. Sure, so sure. You show, you know, hey, I may be in here, but it doesn't mean I'm going to be a part of what's going on in here. Okay. So um, Jackie used the example of a bar. Um, let, let's uh, consider that here. I want to share one more verse with you real quick. Matthew 9.36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted, were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Jesus has compassion on them. We're going to have to have compassion on the, the lost. Um, if we're going to, and we have to spend time with them in hopes of leading to the Savior. The question comes up, how do we spend time with them? And that's where Jackie's getting to right now, right? Uh, how do we spend time with them? Okay, so... So how is it that I have meaningful contact with unbelievers? Jackie said, you go to a bar and you get drunk, you're not going to be particularly helpful to them, right? If you're going to share the gospel, you better be sober-minded. So with that, um, principle. Um, This is the principle I use. It's not in scripture. It's not even in this book. But here's the principle I use, okay? When when I meet with unbelievers, I I want to decide... Um, the nature or the means in which we meet, the way in which we engage. And so um, I classify the world in terms of um, whether things are positive toward Christ, okay, a meeting place as being positive toward Christ, conductive toward Christian meeting. Um, an example of that would be uh, something like a church building, okay, or a church activity or a church picnic. Um, they are in a place and an environment that is going to be positive. It may be a, another Christian's house, another believer's house. It may be um, something like a, a Bible study or a small group meeting. Right? The, those environments are, are going to, in and of themselves, have a positive impact or, or push people toward Jesus Christ. Okay? So I so, uh, call that kind of positive ground. Okay? Now there are... Um, Yes, Ms. Baker? Okay. Uh, so there are other places. There are other places which I would call neutral ground. Okay. Mm hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. 
sure. So can I summarize it for you? Can I just summarize real quick on that? Um, the, so Ms. Baker was saying where she lives, um, just so everybody can hear it, the senior center she's at, um, they're able to get together and have lunch and, and get to know one another. And if we're going to put that in the context of what we're talking about, that would be neutral ground, right? The, the senior center in and of itself is not, okay, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a church service. And maybe there are services there that are positive. I'm sorry. We have started opening up for about an hour now for, for a church service. Okay. I'm part of it. I live in the neighborhood. Right. Sure. Ms. Baker, let me summarize that so everybody can let me let me summarize that so everybody can hear it. Uh, Ms. Baker said that at her senior center, they're able to have a, a meeting for an hour during the week. It usually goes longer, but she's able to read our daily bread. And uh, there's another man who sings songs. Now that's an example of positive ground, right? You take a place that's neutral, you make it positive. All right, so that would be an example of that. Neutral ground sites. Coffee shops, give me some other examples of neutral ground places. Bookstore, a store, <laughs> your store might be positive ground, <laughs> all right, uh, but yeah, stores in general, what else? Other examples of, of neutral ground, other places that are neutral ground. Cookout at home. Okay, a cookout at home, but maybe not, right, if you're at your house. 
Maybe that's a little more positive, but, but certainly, right? At least neutral or, or lead, positive direction. Uh, a lot of restaurants, right? McDonald's, right? Get the kids together, go eat at McDonald's. I'm not saying it's neutral for your waistline, but, you know, uh, but in terms of a, a place, right? You, you, you know, you're not, you're not just being bombarded necessarily with... Okay, said Chick-fil-A. You know, you, you got a Bible verse on your cookout cup. You know, you know whatever it is. But, but you, you know, so that okay. So that those would be example of neutral ground. Um, what would be an example of negative ground? Okay, a bar. What else? Uh, other, uh, any other places? Okay, maybe a tattoo shop. But, you, you know, I, I could tell you there are certain environments, uh, there are certain people's houses, right, where the way they interact, the way they do things, it would be a negative influence, right, just, just because of the nature of the place. Um, uh, other, other examples, I, I mean, strip club, I mean, you know, something like that, right? I mean, <laughs> negative influence, right? I mean, let's just be clear, negative influence, uh, so, so there are, are places like that that are negative in, in where you're at. Um, there, there are some places that are restaurants slash bars, and there are some I would classify as a little more neutral, and there are some I would classify as more negative ground, right? Uh, there is a range with, within there. And, um, and, and so there are, uh, of course, you, you know, the, the, that's something that we have to evaluate. So... Here's my commitment. Here's here's my plan in regard to when I interact and when I meet with unbelievers. Um, I meet with them on positive or neutral ground. That that that's just for me. That's that's my standard, right? I it's not in the Bible. It's not not even in this. Um, but I, I set up meetings in positive or neutral ground. Why? Because I don't need any additional influence influencing them uh, away from God. Right, um, so so I I don't um, I don't go set up a meeting at the bar. Right, I, I don't do that. Um, the, the, you know, I I think that there there are negative influences there that lead people away from Christ, and so I, I choose not to do it. So so I won't even set up the meeting there and say, well, I'm not going to drink, but but we'll go we'll go to this bar and have the meeting. Um, personally, I don't even do that. Right, that my choice. Um, what I do is I say, hey, why don't you come out to lunch with me? And I just pick the location, right? And so um, um, most people are, are happy, especially if you're paying, <laughs> right, to go, to go out to lunch to, to whatever that location or that place is. So just practical advice, okay? Practical advice in terms of how to set that up. Um, so interaction with unbelievers, but we need to be wise in, in our interaction, uh, where it is, how it takes place, and uh, those sorts of things. Um, the way I do it is I, I do it based off positive, neutral, or, or negative ground, maybe whatever you want to call it there. Um, okay, um, any other comments or, or thoughts on that? Okay, let's get some examples then. Um, where can you meet folks? Where can you meet and interact with unbelievers in, in a way that, that would be encouraging and beneficial? Okay, neighbors, yeah. Maybe it's a neighborhood block party. Those are kind of rare now, but occasionally. It's... Okay, uh, pools. Uh, go to Water Country, right? Meet somebody there. Interact at Water Country, Bush Gardens, neighborhood pool down the road. Sure. 
Tides game. All right. What other things? We used to have some bowlers here. Babby used to be a bowler. So maybe you're out bowling, right? You have a bowling league that you're part of. Um, sure, that, that could be a place. Um, maybe you do some kind of sports things, right? So, um, you know, Tammy and Gunn. Gunn does that, uh, what do you call that? Is it what, pickleball? Pickleball. Gunn does pickleball. Um, but maybe you join a pickleball team. So apparently that's in these days. I, I hear about tennis courts getting turned into pickleball things all the time. So, uh, so anyway, that's the new thing. Um, okay, so um, he, he gave an example here. Um, he, he led someone. Um, of, he he led someone to to Christ, right? And so um, um, he, <laughs> he he said to him. He, he asked him about it. He he said, "Well, you know, do you like to to play tennis or whatever?" And um, you know, he, he's a man who was led to Christ. And he said to him, good news is I was led to Christ. The bad news is my tennis game is messed up. And he said, well, why? And he said, the, the man that, used, that God used to get me thinking about spiritual things prefers to play tennis with unbelievers. <laughs> so I have to find a new tennis partner. <laughs> so, so, so this guy, his ministry is through the tennis, local tennis group. And so he gets partners who are unbelievers and leads them to the Lord. And uh, they, they finish and he says, all right, well, you got to find a new partner because I need another unbeliever so I have an opportunity to, to meet with him. Uh, the guy who got led to the Lord? So what do you think about that? He said, well, I really respect him, you know, that, that he would do that to, to go on. And... Uh, he said, he said, frankly, I'd like to see him play tennis with as many non-Christians as possible so he can have the impact on them that he had on me. And uh, so that, that was his response. So he, he was not concerned about his own personal tennis game once he came to Christ. He, he was concerned about other unbelievers. So, all right, so uh, next practical point here. Ask God to restore your concern for non-Christians. Uh, is God who he says or isn't he? Right? Of course we know that he is who he says he is. And so uh, we, we can speak to God simply, humbly, sincerely. Let him know um, our heart. And let him know about our lack of concern for the loss. And um, just pray to God about it. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right? Uh, so... All right, what, what can we do? All right, come to God. Talk to him. God, you're easy to talk to. But what I want to tell you is not easy to talk about. All right? Uh, frankly, non-Christians don't concern me that much. My, my heart is cold toward them. If you'd be willing to help me change, I'm willing and I'd like to start today. Help me develop the same kind of heart that you have, one that cares for those who didn't know you. Um, so... Word of, word of caution, right? Um, if we sincerely mean what we pray, then we better be ready for God to answer. Right? We better be ready for God to answer, because he will answer, and he will give an abundant supply um, of compassion for those who ask him for it. He, he will provide that. 
So um, 1 John 5, 14 through 15, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, uh, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So um, no question, we ask that prayer according to his will. And guess what? It is according to his will (laughs) that we have a heart for unbelievers. Uh, Then we can expect him to answer that prayer. Um, so we, regardless of who we're interacting with, right, this, these things are not about, um, all the other things you hear about, right? It's not about numbers. It's not about winning arguments. It's not about any of that other stuff. Um, it's about our devotion to the Lord and, and having a heart for the lost, just as Jesus did. Um, okay. So conclusion then, um, if you're not where you need to be in, concern, in, in regard to your concern for lost people, certain things we've got to put into practice. Draw closer to Jesus. We mentioned that one. Spend time with unbelievers. Uh, third, ask God to restore your concern for non-Christians. And um, practically speaking, what does that look like? You're going to regain your concern overnight? You wake up tomorrow? You're a new man, new person? Everything's changed? What do you think? Probably not, right? Probably not. But over time, you will be further along than you were today. And that's what God asks us to do. Um, And as that happens, it will encourage us. (laughs) And we take the next step and the next step. Um, He used this expression. I think it's a good one. It's not where you are. Um, It's not just where you are, but also the direction in which you're headed. That's important, right? Um, If you've been a believer for a long time, you still feel like, okay, I'm a baby Christian, right? Not ideal, right? Not ideal. But it's not where you are, but also the direction in which you're headed. That's important, right? And so... Are we going toward Christ-likeness in our choices and decisions? Um, great book. Um, it's not a particularly popular book because uh, I know the author, so that means it's not very popular. Uh, written by Charles Dunn, but it's called the, Ups- the Upstream Christian in a Downstream World. Okay? The, the concept is, okay, the, the world itself is going downstream. Everything is going downstream. Um, if you want to be an upstream Christian in the midst of that, you're going to have to exert a great deal of effort, right? You ever, you ever try to kayak against the, the tide, like the direction of the tide? You, you, you ever, ever, ever try to do it? The, the water's coming in or going, you know, one way, and you're going against it? it it's not easy, right? It, it's hard. Um, and that's, that's Christian life. And if you stop and think you're standing still, you're not, Right? You're always flowing downstream, right? You will be flowing downstream on that river. Uh, There is no standing still. And so for the Christian, there is a life of devotion and exertion and development to seek to be more Christ-like. Because in this world, if we stop, right, we're we're not stopped. We're we're going downstream. So um, it's not where you're at, but also the direction in which you're headed that's important. 
And the, the point is this. In six months from now, um, if, if in six months from now you can say, I have a much greater concern for lost people now than I did six months ago, and here's the proof, right? Fill in that blank with the examples. Um, then you know you're on the right track, right? You know you're on the right track. So I, I don't anticipate that we're going to leave here and everybody's just going to go out and uh, all of a sudden um, be out on the street corner uh, for the next uh, rest of the afternoon or something like that. Um, but our hope is that as we ask and God answers, that we will grow in our concern for the lost and be greater in our evangelism and our outreach with others. All right, we'll stop there for, for now. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God. Thank you for just these practical examples of how to put an evangelistic lifestyle into practice, how to regain a heart for unbelievers. And uh, Father, we, we pray that you would help us as believers to be more like Christ. We thank you for the example of our Savior. And uh, Father, we, we thank you for just your working in lives and hearts. Uh, we pray, Lord, that all of us six months from now would be able to say that we have regained a greater heart for unbelievers than what we had right now. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.